I loved helping people. I love being that voice for the voiceless. The issue with being a public defender, you see a lot of the clients come back. Fixing broken systems requires addressing the problem at the root. They don't have the resources that is necessary to be a productive member of society. So our mission is to be the change in the community that we seek. So we're big on education and trying to partner with different organizations to speak about access to capital, speak about home ownership, speak about creating your business. According to a recent survey, only 19% of managing partners in U.S. law firms are female. We would like to see that change. Hello, and welcome to LawHer, the show where we celebrate the trailblazing attorneys and entrepreneurs who are changing the game for women in the legal fields. Be inspired by their stories, learn from their mistakes, and look forward to the future they're helping build for the next generation of women in law. I'm Sonia Palmer, your host and VP of Operations at Rankings, the SEO agency of choice for personal injury lawyers. This is LawHer. As a public defense attorney, Kimberly Wallace loved being an advocate for the voiceless. But she knew the revolving door of repeat offenders was a symptom of a broken system. She saw that opening a law firm rooted in community development would have a larger impact. It was right around this time that Kimberly serendipitously bumped into Rashea Wallace, also a black female defense attorney. They hit it off instantly, and the two now own the only law firm in the capital area run by two black women. But before all of that, Kimberly was a bubbly girl who knew she'd grow up to be a lawyer. My parents said it to me so many times. I grew up in Kingston, Jamaica. So I just used to travel around with my mom on like buses and public transportation. And if someone looked familiar or look like someone on TV, I would be pointing like, isn't that that person? Who is that? <laughs> and I used to be the kid that left school, did my own thing. Like back then it was just safe. And my parents would be driving around looking for me and I would be just talking to strangers. So they didn't say, oh my God, Kim, you talk so much, you need to stop talking. They're like, you talk so much, you're gonna be a lawyer. So it just kind of stuck with me. I love that. Uh, so you moved from Jamaica to the U.S. right before starting college, correct? Correct. Yes. In 2005, I moved when I was turning 17. So in Jamaica, um, high school is from 7 to 11. And then I came here and there's they're like, oh, there's a 12th grader as well. That <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah. So I like to say my fun fact is that I have two high school diplomas. <laughs> nice. In addition to having to take that extra year of school, were there any other sort of challenges uh, coming over, especially like that? It's sort of a vulnerable age. So I was super you know, nervous, like in Jamaica, everyone wears uniform. Everyone looks a certain way because they don't allow you to wear jewelry, earrings, hair extensions. So you have black shoes, blue socks, uniform. So everybody looks the same. So when I came here, I, you know, I was nervous. Like, I don't want to wear regular clothes to school. Like that's pressure for me. <laughs> I wanted to go to a private school. My mom sent me to Bishop again. And then I have this accent, right? I don't sound like the other kids. I was very quiet. I was very reserved to myself because I just, you know, you don't want to feel judged. 
And everyone, you know, they have their cliques and their friends coming up, a lot of them from like elementary school. So I was kind of like, you know, the outsider, the outcast, just because I didn't want to feel vulnerable and for people to like, you know, make fun of me. So I, you know, stayed in like a little bubble until, you know, I met some girls and connected and, you know, built some lifelong friendships over time. Good. And then you did law school at Florida State. I did, yes. Transitioning to like law school from that last year of high school in the States. How was that? Did you feel more comfortable tapping back into sort of your independence as college started? I went to undergrad at Sage College. So I stayed, you know, kind of close to home. I literally lived like 10 minutes away. And I was like, I'm living on campus because I want that, you know, independence. So I I did that and I would go home for food (laughs) every day. So kind of coming, you know, out of my shell more because, you know, accents are okay. Accents are cool, (laughs) you know, so transitioning out of that like nervous phase in college. So then law school, was it what you expected? Is there anything you wish you had known before starting law school? So... Going into law school, I had like a mindset like, oh, I need to bring all these suits with me. I like went shopping. I did all this stuff. I need to be professional, like wine and cheese parties. And like (laughs) (laughs) that was like my mentality going in. And it's it's like college. It's regular. Everyone's, you know, relaxed, chill. Florida State is known for football. And I've never experienced that. So it was just a different eye-opening, like, oh, this is, you know, this is what, you know, colleges, bigger universities are. So it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. It was challenging, let me say that. But if you apply yourself, you, you know, will be fine. You do the work. Yeah, put the work in and you'll, you know, reap the rewards. Nice, excellent. Uh, Did you have any mentors professors, peers, classmates that sort of made an impact on you? So at Sage, I had one professor, her name is Bobby Gerbenia, and she's actually retiring this year. She has her JD from Ohio. I didn't have anyone in my family who were attorneys, who went to law school, who did any of that. So, you know, I approached her and I said, you know, you have this degree, like, how can I get that? How can I, you know, get to the next level? How can I be an attorney? She advised me to do an internship at a law firm. And I did one at a smaller local firm here, and I I really liked it. And then I um, went to Albany Law School's open house and I was like, you know, I can, I can do this. So with her guidance and encouragement, like to this day, she was the one who I would ask for a recommendation for, you know, law school, for jobs, references, like all the things like she was my, is my (laughs) go-to for all things. As I've been talking to female lawyers, one of the things that has sort of been like a a common denominator is how important a support system is, particularly in law school. And then as you start your career. So it sounds like you found somebody who could definitely do that for you. So I love that. You studied in Oxford. I did. So was that like, (laughs) I did a, it was a study abroad, (laughs) um, you know, three courses. It it was great. It was eye-opening. It was beautiful. 
And I had the opportunity to travel like every weekend, go to a different country because it's inexpensive and <laughs> they're all right there. You just hop on a train. <laughs> exactly. You hop on a train, a quick flight and you're there. So it was um, uh, two, three months and then it was great. Yeah. Before you opened your own firm, you were a public defender in Albany. What experiences as a public defender kind of led you to then decide to open your own firm? So I started out as a public defender actually in Dutchess County. That was my first job. I was the nighttime arraignment attorney driving around the county on call (laughs) from like 5 p.m. to 9 a.m. and doing all the arraignments until I transitioned into the office. I thought I was going to be a lifelong public defender. I loved helping people. I love being that voice for the voiceless, right? After I did about two years in Duchess, I moved to Albany and I did a brief stint at the DA's office. And I quickly realized that that wasn't for me. So I ended up at the Albany County Public Defender's Office. The issue with being a public defender, you know, the caseload is a lot. And um, you see a lot of the clients come back, like repeat offenders, because, you know, they don't have the resources that is necessary to be a productive member of society. So, you know, thinking about opening a firm, I wanted to focus on things, focus on different practice areas that I can actually help people and help them succeed in life, right? So when thinking about that, I thought about, you know, real estate, how that can assist people and um, building that generational wealth, how that can create a legacy for them to leave behind. Also, business, right? Helping people create their businesses, helping them succeed in business, having all the measures in place for that, And I still love criminal, right? So I still do some criminal um, here and there. I kind of cherry pick which ones I do because walking into a courtroom, it's, it's this, you get this rush, this excitement of helping, winning, you know, dominating. Mm -hmm. It's just, I understand. (laughs) Yeah. This feeling that, you know, it just, it doesn't get old and I get excited. Like I have court on Thursday. So I'm like, ready to go to court. (laughs) I love that. The real estate and sort of the commercial and then the business aspect. And I just think it's, it's super smart to like for starters, but then it solves the problem in a much broader way. You kind of get to the root of things and you can help people before they sort of turn that direction or actually, you know, solve the problems that are turning them in that direction. It treats the disease versus like the symptom, you know? So I love it. The public defender's office, you know, you're getting the clients after all the bad things are happening, right? And it's like, there's no way to kind of, you know, change that trajectory when you're in the moment. It's like, okay, how can I lessen this impact? Like, what can I do? What services are out there to assist this person? But as you said, you know, getting them from the outset, then change that course And hopefully, you know, they'll, you know, move on to live great life. Yeah. The after is super important too. I think you're seeing people in some of the worst days of their lives and being able to kind of, you know, metaphorically hold their hand, help them navigate it. Super important. But I can understand as a lawyer, how frustrating 
that would be. So yeah, I just, I really admire what you guys are doing. I think it's really cool. What is um, a typical case look like for you? And you can pick one. What's a real estate case or criminal? A case that I worked on that I really like stuck with me. I was helping this kid. He was 16. He was like six, five, like had potential to be great. But then he also had some mental health, like struggles, following the wrong crowd, doing all this stuff. And his mom was working like three jobs to take care of him and his siblings. So he was a passenger in a car. They got pulled over. There was a gun and the kid who he was with, like a little bit older than him, was like, oh, you know, hold this, all that stuff. So, you know, it comes to me and I'm like sorting through. I meet him and I'm like, this kid has potential to do more than this. Right. The D.A. wanted to send him to prison for like two to four years, state prison. And I'm like, he won't make it. He won't make it. He he doesn't have that grit or that, you know, personality for prison. So I had to, you know, be a little bit more clever. And I'm like thankful for like social media. So I go into a deep dive onto the, the driver, right? And I come across his page. He has all these like guns on his pages. He has pictures of us in like court. He's like free, whatever his name is, like all this stuff. So I'm compiling it and putting it together in a memo to the judge. I'm trying to bypass the DA right? and say, judge, this kid, you know, cannot go to jail. Like the evidence shows that this gun belonged to him and he like pawned it off onto this kid because, you know, he lacks the wherewithal to to appreciate the consequences of what's going on. Ended up talking to the DA, talking to the judge over time. You know, he's still in jail. It's not going well for him. And I'm just like, if he's in Albany County Jail and this is happening, what's going to happen when he's actually in prison? I'm talking to his mom like almost every day. This case is like stressing me out. (laughs) I'm like, I have to keep him out. I have to, like, we can't go to trial because that's not going to go well. At the end of the day, it worked out that we received probation with a youthful offender status that will, you know, ultimately seal his record. And hopefully he'll go on to live and can be a productive member of society. So I had a few cases like that. And those are the cases that, you know, made me love and appreciate being in that position where I can assist in that way. You mentioned social media. Is that common? Is that something you do frequently? So I, yeah, I do a deep dive on everybody, (laughs) right? Every case I get, you know, I am looking for the names. I'm looking, depending on, you know, the charges. I'm like, what is going on? Even in real estate, when I get a contract, I'm like, I'm on Zillow. (laughs) I'm looking at this house. I'm trying to see if there are any issues. I'm seeing what the list price is, what the contract price is. Does it make any sense? So it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because... (laughs) You'll have clients who have an order of protection against someone and they're on social media saying all this stuff, tagging and all that and violating. You know, it's good and it's bad. (laughs) Kimberly was moving a mile a minute and wanted to do more. When she met Rashea Wallace, the connection was instant, but was it obvious that they would open a firm together? So she knew instantly from us meeting, we met at the end of 2019 and it was just by chance. She is the more outspoken, outgoing one of the two of us. 
And she approached me with her business card, like, hi, I'm an attorney. Here's my card if you need services. I'm like, do I look like an attorney? <laughs> We're friends. And I'm like, well, I'm I'm an attorney as well in Albany. And she's like, oh, I'm out in Schenectady. We just started talking and it's like an instant, you know, connection, an instant vibe that you get with someone. And at the end of our conversation, she said, you know, we're going to open a firm together. And I'm like, girl, it's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So then, you know, we just kept in touch. We talked almost every day. And then we had like a standing meeting on Thursdays where we're like, what is this going to look like? What is it going to take? You know, let's put together like an operating agreement And then uh, an RFP request for proposals came out for some real estate services. And we're like, well, this would be our opportunity to open. If we get this, then we'll have something stable and then we can go from there. So we... We weren't formed at the time, but we're like, we have to do this. It's due on Friday. It was like a Tuesday, Wednesday. It's due on Friday. So we we met in the Albany Law School parking lot and we, you know, (laughs) went on the Secretary of State's website. We formed our LLP and submitted the RFP. And yeah, here we are. What are some of the values that you guys share? Do you have a shared mission? So our mission is to be the change in the community that we seek, right? So in that we are opening our office in the city of Albany, where we live, where, you know, there's crime, there's all these things happening that we know that, you know, if we are there, we can hopefully change that trajectory. We're big on communication. We're big on being in the community. We're big on educating the community. You don't know what you don't know, right? So people are like, well, I'm saying get a house, blah, blah, blah. But like, what does that really mean? You know, what resources are available for me in the community to assist with that? And there's so many that people don't know about. So we're big on, you know, education and trying to partner with different organizations to speak about access to capital, speak about home ownership, speak about creating your business. So those are the big things and the core things that we believe in. Uh, So education is one of the ways you're hoping to make an impact. Are there any other ways that you're hoping to sort of make an impact, particularly in that capital region? So I think, you know, once we educate the community, everything else will, you know, kind of fall into place. We want to see, you know, small businesses succeed. We want to see people in the disadvantaged communities see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, right? So we want to get in and try to assist these businesses because obviously COVID has impacted a lot of them. We want to make sure that they have all their contracts into place. We want to connect them to various organizations. Like some of them, we want to assist them with getting their certifications, you know, for MWBE, things like that. So I think, you know, once we get in and we're hoping at some point we can be outside (laughs) to really get into the community to really educate them. Right. Once you have a house, you know, how why is a will important? Why is a power of attorney important? Why is, you know, creating all those things in place to carry on without you? Why are those things important? So we have a lot of work to do. I think it is an advantage to you that you started a business during the pandemic. You started your law firm during the pandemic. So I think 
you are sort of uniquely set up to help the existing businesses transition in like, let's keep the good stuff we've learned from the pandemic, you know, like just meeting people where they're at, using the technical tools, the systems and processes. Do you have any other experiences in like opening a business during the pandemic? Because you guys were right in the middle of it. What was that experience like? (laughs) So I think it taught us to really be paperless, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) having the measures in place to do virtual meetings, having everything stored in our systems. It really, we're, we're big on systems where we're big on working smart and not hard. We're big on automation templates, you know, clicking a button and having things populate for us. We're, you know, we don't want to reinvent the wheel in certain situations. So we're big on systematizing everything. And I think that, you know, we can teach other businesses to do the same where, you know, if, you know, something were to happen, you know, they can pick up and, you know, carry on without actually going into a physical location, right? We want to be able to work from Jamaica if we have to, (laughs) you know? So I think that's one of the biggest things. Also, you know, opening a firm, we didn't have money. You know, we're not coming from money to to do this big capital contribution and quitting our jobs. So we were, you know, putting from our public defender salaries, putting money into everything, sharing things. You know, we went to the bank and we're like, we're a business. Give us some money, please. And they're like, no, 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 that's, that's <laughs> not how it works. So we had to, you know, be more creative and look for other you know, sources, resources in the community to really, you know, help us. So we have all those different resources under our belts. And in turn, we can turn around and say, hey, this is how we did it, right? So this is how we're going to help you do it. So I think that's very important and a, a big thing that happened for us. Kimberly is making strides in her community, but far too often she is dismissed and looked over in the courtroom, often literally. It happens all the time. Like you could be the most well-dressed in a suit with a briefcase, looking the most professional. When I go to court, I get excited, right? So I'm dressing up. I, you know, I'm in my heels. I'm super cute, (laughs) right? You know, you walk in and you just, you don't get that benefit of the doubt because you don't look like an attorney. You're not a traditional, you know, you're not a white man, right? So, and that's what people automatically think. An older white man, that's what an attorney looks like. It's happened as recently as a couple months ago. I went to court. I had a case. It was like a fun case too. I was excited about it. It was this girl, she had mushrooms in her shoe and she was like trying to go to the promise. I was like, you're, this is cool. I, I want to take this on. So I spoke to the DA. We ended up getting an amazing disposition where it'd be ultimately dismissed. So I go to court and I, you know, I'm ready to go. And this is a court I've been in several times. I've been a DA there, a public defender, all the things. So like, I know the judges, I know the staff, I know, I know everyone, but I had my mask on, right. And I have my braids and I didn't have braids in the beginning. I always wear like my hair, like straight and you know, like what they tell you to do, right. That that's the professional look. So I went up, I had my mask on, I'm standing next to the client and you know, the judge looks around and he's like, is there any like public defenders or like attorneys to like come assist? And I'm like, judge, literally standing right here. Look, 
And he's like, oh my God, I didn't see you. And I'm like, literally in his face. And I was like, judge, it's attorney Kim Wallace. He's like, oh my God, Miss Wallace, I'm so, so sorry. I didn't know, I didn't blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, why would I be standing here? You know, with my client who was white. So I left feeling like, damn, again, <laughs> you know, like we can't just get the benefit of the doubt. We can't just say, ma'am, you know, are you the attorney? Are you representing? Are you, you know, ask those questions if you're in doubt. So it sucks to, you know, walk into different spaces and just feel like less than. But I, you know, overcome that by standing up for myself, being vocal, like, judge, you're going to mistake me for whatever. I'm going to say it loudly and proudly. I am an attorney. This is me. You know, so the next black woman or man or whatever color walks up in front of you, you're not just going to automatically go towards, oh, my God, you know, is there an attorney? You're going to say, ma'am, are you the attorney on this? You know, what is your name? You know, you have a card, whatever. So I just want, you know, judges to take that into consideration. And the first thing out of their mouth is, are you the attorney? <laughs> you know, no matter what they look like. So I, when I opened the firm, I started wearing my hair how I want to wear my hair because my braids are professional. They're neat. They're nice. But, you know, I just want us women of color to feel comfortable in that space and command and demand that respect that we, you know, we deserve. And as long as I'm not being disrespectful to the judge and to the court, I'm going to speak up for myself. And there are not a lot of black, you know, women attorneys in upstate New York. We just have to keep just commanding, you know, that respect that we deserve, right? I've, I've had times where, I, you know, like walking into court with my client, you know, white man, be like charged with some heinous crimes and the, the judge will be like, Mr. Are you the attorney? And it's like, <laughs> okay. Kimberly saw no people who looked like her in college or law school. I wanted to know what role she sees representation playing in the next generation of lawyers. So I think that it's our duty to, you know, give back and go to schools. Like I'm a part of, you know, various organizations and um, work a lot with young girls to show them that, you know, anything is possible, right? You don't have to be an attorney. You can be whatever you want to be. And we're going to show you somebody who's in that space that looks like you. I thought it was very important for me to go back to Sage. And I speak a lot to the higher education opportunity classes. And I got the opportunity from Bobby, my favorite person in the world, to teach a class last semester on being a public defender. I wanted them to see someone, you know, that looks like them that made it. And I always tell the story that I was never the perfect student, right? I was never the straight A's. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to party. I wanted to live. I wanted to do all the things. But at some point I was like, well, I, I have these Caribbean parents who they're like, we brought you to this country and you need to make something of yourself, right? I wanted to go back to Sage. I wanted to teach a course. I wanted them to see like, okay, she came here, she did it, she struggled at times, but it's not where you start, it's where you finish, right? 
I speak to kids at Albany High School and younger kids and just to show them like anything is possible, your dreams are possible. And even if you don't see somebody that looks like you doing it, it's not impossible for you to, to do it. We are always saying like representation matters and we know that we need to be in the community and show and prove why education is important and getting a career in whatever you choose to do will you know, lead to a life of hopefully happiness. <laughs> You're a professor at Sage now. Is there advice that you find yourself sort of giving your students over and over again? Is there a common theme? So I think it's not where you start, it's where you finish is like one of my mottos. Because, you know, obviously there are kids that are brilliant and they, you know, get A's and they're great, right? But I, I also encourage students that, yeah, if you get you know, a bad grade here, you know, you can make it up there. As long as you try your best and give it your all and like use all the resources that are there for you. Like you are going to be fine, right? You got in, right? <laughs> That's a big hurdle. And if you can finish strong, then that's all that matters, right? Because I literally started out my first two years. It wasn't great. And I'm like, hmm, <laughs> how am I going to get this GPA up? enough to get into law school to, to do anything. Right. And I, I was kind of distracted because I was out on my own <laughs> and Albany was a different time back then. There were actually things to do. So I always use myself an ex as an example to all of them to say, listen, if I can do it and I had, and I tell them my GPA, I was like, my GPA was like a two point nothing <laughs> initially, you know, and I had to work that much harder. So if you can start off strong, right, I'm not saying don't have fun, but strike that balance. You will succeed and ultimately do whatever you want to do in life. What are you proud of within the legal industry? What I'm proud of is that it doesn't matter what you look like. You have this skill that you can change people's lives. It's a big deal. That's one of the cool things about having a law degree. You can, whether it be a good situation or a bad situation, you have skills and the tools and that degree in place where you can literally change somebody's life. You have a very busy life. Lawyer, professor, <laughs> oh, running a business. <laughs> what do you do when you need to decompress? Or like just when you need to like take time for yourself? Do you have any routines, rituals, anything you do to relax? So I've started working out trying to work out consistently to just get lost in that zone of not like stressing. There are nights that I wake up like, oh my God, did I do this? Did I make this deadline? And most times, yes, Kim, it's 3 a.m. <laughs> Go to bed. <laughs> Go back to sleep. <laughs> You're fine. It's so I'm trying to get into that and shamefully, I watch reality TV. I'm into Bravo and I get like, I just like getting lost into drama that's not mine. Kimberly Wallace is an advocate through and through, commanding deserved respect for her clients, her students and herself. She and Rashea have embarked together on an uncharted path guided by their commitment to strengthening Albany and fulfilling their mission to be the change that they wish to seek. 
A huge thank you to Kimberly Wallace for sharing her story and unbelievable insights with us today. You've been listening to Law Her with me, Sonia Palmer. If you found this content insightful, inspiring, or it just made you smile, please share this episode with the trailblazer in your life. And for more about Kimberly Wallace, check out our show notes. And while you're there, please leave us a review or five-star rating. It really goes a long way for others to discover the show. And I'll see you next week on Law Her, where we'll shed light on how another of the brightest and boldest women in the legal industry climbed to the top of her field. Mm-hmm.